Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you with an episode on the on the back end of a three day break for the Knicks, and it's it's been a break that this team really needed. I think we needed it too. Um, since we last recorded an episode, uh, the team has gone three and six. They've now lost three in a row, and kind of the the good feelings around this team have sort of started to falter a little bit, sort of started to fall away. And um, there's been a lot of discourse on Twitter, which I'm sure we'll talk about around kind of just Julius Randle and his general demeanor, his temperament. I know uh, my my co-host here is going to want to talk about that. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right. I am joined today by my co-host and friend, Kenny Poon. Kenny, what's going on, man? Hey Tom, good to be here. Good to to talk to you. I think it's it's been a little <clears throat> excuse me, it's been a little while since I've I've seen you. Uh, just we are in the midst of March Madness, so uh, I don't think that I've I've been paying as much attention to the New York Knicks as I typically would. Uh, our yeah. UConn Huskies. I don't know if I'm fair in calling them our, but we are Connecticut guys, so we grew up or I grew up as a UConn fan. Uh, are in the final four. So I've been been very into that lately. And because of that, I've been slacking a little bit on the, the Knicks side, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, uh, I love March Madness. Uh, I know De'Aaron Fox has different things to say, but uh, I just love the, you know, I think people compete at a different level in college as compared to the pros, like regular season, it's a grind. So like not everyone is giving their a hundred percent every single game. Uh, and plus you get to see a lot of stuff that you don't usually see like uh, that Purdue first round game um, against, I am blanking on who they were playing, but uh, they were playing the shortest team in college basketball and they had, and Purdue had. I believe it was Fairleigh Dickinson. Was it Fairleigh Dickinson? So Fairleigh Dickinson with uh, the shortest roster in college basketball against Zach Eady, who is seven, four or something like that. So like that's something you don't see in the NBA. So it's just really fun to see how strategically they went after that and like the bodies they were throwing at them. So like it's just stuff that you don't typically see. And I don't know. I, I love it. I love seeing that. I love seeing kind of the the you know last minute buzzer beaters, the you know crazy upsets and all of that. So it's just a very exciting time for me. And I've been yeah, deep man. into that. Yeah. No, you, I hear you. I'm I'm typically closer to the deer and fox mindset. We're just. I, I think we can both agree that just we're not breaking any news here. The skill level in the NBA is just worlds different from college. Like just the shot making and overall ability, the athleticism, everything about it, it, it's extremely different. But to your point, yeah, I mean, there's so much parody going on in March Madness, the the nature of a one and done, you know, do or die game. It's uh, anyone can win. Like that's real. It's very different from the NBA, particularly in the playoffs when you play in seven game series and the better team is going to win. 99.9% of the time. Um, so that, that definitely makes college fun. Uh, last night, UConn, as we're recording this, UConn beat up on Gonzaga. That was the first tournament game that I really watched from start to finish. And I put some clips up on Twitter and I, I had a great time watching it, man. Like there are some guys on UConn who I think are going to really be uh, some difference makers in the NBA, potentially Jordan Hawkins, that shot of his, get him on the Knicks, man. That guy, he's shooting off motion, off the catch, off the dribble, coming around screens. He's snaking back. Like he's, he's doing a lot. And that release is like really high. It's really smooth. He's great lift. Um, you know, I'll be digging in the, during the 
summer into some more prospect stuff. And I'm sure we'll, it'll come up on this podcast. Uh, yeah, and he, the, Knicks, the Knicks pick situation, but he, yeah, we'll, we'll see where, where the Knicks end up, but he's a guy who I've seen mocked anywhere from the end of the first round to like late lottery and the Knicks potentially with that, that Mavs pick given what's going on in over in Dallas could be in that late lottery spot or, you know, you know, middle of the, the first round. I am generally of the opinion, and I, I know Greg said the same thing today, that uh, the Knicks aren't going to keep whatever they get. Uh, they're going to trade it just like they did last year because, you know, yeah. the roster is pretty full filled out currently. Uh, but like you said, uh, you know, Jordan Hawkins is a very interesting player. I think, you know, I think right now he's he's very athletic and we uh, we're, I'm sure we'll talk about this another time, but he's very athletic and he has a great shot. But uh, like beyond that, I'm not sure what his skill set is, but I think that is enough to have him as a, a role player in the NBA because that that shot he can get off anywhere. And it's yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful shot. You can carve out that niche. Um, yeah, there are some other fun guys at UConn, but we'll, we'll have a little bit more time to talk about that. Um, Final four. Are you going to Houston, by the way? You st- I know you were talking about it. I was trying to get someone to go with me, uh, but I couldn't get any takers. Well, my cousin was the closest to, to taking me up on it, but he's going on vacation next week. So he couldn't take uh, take the end of this week or the end of this week and beginning of next week off. So I couldn't get anyone to go. Uh, Jake is thinking about it if they make, if UConn makes the championship. So maybe I'll end up going for that if he goes, but uh, I wasn't going to travel to Houston alone. I went to Houston back in 2018 when Villanova won the national championship. Uh, and I'm just not a big Houston guy. Um, so not, not a guy who's going to go hang out in Houston alone in that. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Saturday and Monday. So it's yeah. just like, I don't know. Houston's not a big uh, Jake city. I'd imagine in general, um, but uh, not, not, they are fans, not fans of his, of the, the John Astro boy media area. properties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, no March madness, a lot of fun to your point. It, it has made it a challenge watching as much Knicks basketball, but you know, I've watched enough recently and it's it's been a bit of a bummer um i mentioned they're three and six in their last nine and you know i think that a lot of that you can point to to defense um and some of it has been variance in three-point shooting i'm looking at just the last three games that the knicks have lost opponents are shooting 51 percent on threes that is by far the highest percentage um of any team in the we league, should, I mean, yeah. We should throw out the fact that that Minnesota game was an aberration. Like it, it is not a normal shooting. Like, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year. There was two games in a row where the Knicks gave up a bunch of threes, and uh, sometimes teams make shots, and like that's the nature of the NBA. And there's going to be occasional outlier games where people make a ridiculous amount of shots, and that Minnesota game was definitely one of those games because they shot lights out. I think Torian Prince went seven for seven from three. Like it, it was a ridiculous shooting night and you know, that's going to happen sometimes. So take that as you will, uh, as we look at this small three game sample that that one game was not normal. Yeah, certainly not. And, you know, even if you're looking at the last nine games, the Knicks defense uh, is, is ranked 19th in the league over the last nine games. Uh, not great. And their offense, which has been about, has been near top five all season, has ranked 17th in the last nine games. So, you know, the team ha- is struggling a little bit. Uh, some of that was without Jalen Brunson. Some of that was with Jalen Brunson kind of coming back from injury. Um, but, you know, overall, there's no question. Like, right after the the All-Star break and the trade deadline, when, when the Knicks first acquired Josh Hart, it was just 
good vibes all around. Like there were a lot, there was a lot of winning going on. There was a lot of team basketball. I felt like the defense was really starting to pick up. And I don't think it was just a missed shots versus make made shots thing. The the defense has really looked not very cohesive lately. Um, There's been a lot of just botched switches I've noticed. And it's not even just the bad defenders. I know a lot of people right now are pointing at Jalen Brunson uh, because opponents are starting to target him more and more. And it's fair. Like Jalen Brunson, he said it himself. He needs to be better on the defensive end. But I'm going through some of these clips and I'm seeing miscommunications between our best defenders. I've seen Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart botch multiple switches in just in this last game. And it's it's kind of strange to see. I don't know what to attribute that to, but um, you know, if even our best defenders aren't playing up to their abilities, then you know, you that kind of trickles down, right? Everyone else has to step up even more, and it's uh, it has not worked out well in general. Um, the the perimeter defense isn't there. They're allowing a ton of penetration, leading to kickouts, and that's allowing the the three point shooting. It's not going to be fifty percent you know, for the rest of this season, but you still do need to clean that up because it's just transition's been ugly and even in the half court. So the the defense is the number one thing I'm going to be looking at in these, in these last several games, because you're not winning a playoff series playing this level of defense. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, I understand uh, people's concerns and, you know, I, you would like the Knicks to enter the postseason kind of in that same spot that they were a few weeks ago when they, they went on that nine game run. And it, it's similar to, to two years ago. Uh, when they had that that late season run and then kind of cooled off before the playoffs, but right now, like I'm, I'm I struggle to to be as concerned as you know some people on Twitter just because the like you said I think since our last pod the Knicks are three and six, but those in those three wins the Knicks beat a very hot LA Lakers team and they beat a Denver team that was number one in the West, so like they have some good wins, they do have some bad losses, but again. You know, Jalen Brunson wasn't playing. And I think, you know, whether whether it's just what he provides offensively, what he provides at the end of games in terms of being steady hands to, to kind of move things forward. Um, it just um, really changed the team to not have him out on the court. So I'm not as worried about that. And then we still have we you know, we just talked about the, the Minnesota game. I don't put any stock into that. You know, they lost a game to an NBA team who is on most nights worse than them. But on that one single night, they were just shooting out of their mind. So I'm not as worried as, as a lot of people are just based off of, you know, that's the way things happen sometimes. And I think that the Knicks team, you know, they have some time to find their groove. I would like Jalen Brunson to be healthy for the playoffs and, you know, maybe get, you know, even if if he doesn't, you know, play all of the games through the end of the season, I'd like him to play a few. And I would like the Knicks to, you know, not have to worry about the, the playing games situation. Uh, but I think it's most important to have Jalen Brunson in a good spot for the the end of the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at the defense for this team, it's a, and I mentioned the perimeter issues. Part of it is, I don't know about the personnel. Like we, we already talked about Jalen Brunson guarding the point of attack. And how, you know, that's not a strength of his, that we knew that going in. So we saw him like switched on to Torian Prince. And we've been seeing that a lot lately where he's been switched on to whoever's considered sort of the lesser offensive threat, even if it's a bigger wing. Those guys do tend to shoot over Jalen Brunson. But I think that my issue is not so much there is, you know, we're having to slide guys like Quentin Grimes onto opponent point guards. And that's kind of a struggle. And then when Quentin Grimes sits, 
that's it's been Josh Hart. Josh Hart has been the one having to guard opposing point guards. And, you know, I think Josh Hart, his strength is his strength. Like he can move up a position. He can guard power forwards. He can guard big wings. Even like you're like, he's a guy you'd put on like a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George type to bother him and be physical with him. But when you're trying to guard these quick point guards, they've been giving us a lot of trouble lately. I mean, I'm talking about even guys that you wouldn't even consider that quick, but Mike Conley Jr., even in his old age, really gave us problems. Kyle Lowry in Miami, we we he, he has not been good this year, but he had a great game against the Knicks. Markel Fultz was, was another guy. It's like th- these point guards are, are really hurting us. And I think for me, I mentioned this, I was on Locked On Knicks this past week. I I feel like there should be spot minutes for Deuce McBride, who came in during Jalen Brunson's injuries and played really well. And to the point where he was actually a huge part of the winning efforts against the Lakers and the Blazers. Like, I don't think, I don't think that the Knicks win those games without, or without his minutes. Um, And I just really like what he provides as a point of attack defender, more so than Grimes, certainly more so than quickly too. Like quickly is a guy who's been, um, really just praised for his defense all season, but it's mostly been his off ball defense. Like he is great at making rotations at seeing a step ahead at kind of being on that back line and telling people where to go and like kind of quarterbacking the defense when he's guarding the point guard or the ball handler, he can't do that. He can't see what's going on behind him. And it really, his defense really suffers. So even guys that we consider very strong defenders, your Josh Hart's, your Quentin Grimes, your Emmanuel Quickly's. I feel like they're being asked to do too much, and they could. We could just use Deuce's on-ball defense for you know matchup dependent, 10, 15 minutes a game, and I think it would really make a big difference. That's just kind of my my push for Deuce right now. Yeah, and I mean, I I get the concern. Um, I just you know I, I I struggle to give too much credence to the the small sample size situation where, and, you know, uh, I agree that that Deuce had a couple of incredible games that like he might have had a you know career high in scoring one of those games. Um, but I, I just, the way that the Knicks were rolling a few weeks ago and, you know, heading into the playoffs, I want our best players out there. And while I, I like Deuce a lot, I just don't know if he is the guy to be out there and, you know, I, understanding kind of your point about getting beat by some, some point guards recently, you know, it, that's, it's a small sample size. So like, I, I, I have more faith in, you know, Quentin Grimes is an on, on ball defender. I think we've seen that um, throughout the season where he's been able to, to D up some point guards. Um, I, I very much agree with your point on Josh Hart. I think he is better suited to, to go up a position rather than to go down a position. But, you know, I have faith in him to be able to, to stay in front of, you know, enough point guards and do enough there to, to be respectable. Um, so I, I'm, I don't want to kind of push the panic button yet on that. Uh, and I, I really, you know, prefer this nine-man rotation, and particularly when we have everyone in the rotation. Like I said, with even without, um, you know, while, while we question his defense, not having Jalen Brunson on the court just messes with the chemistry in all areas of the game, including like defensively and rotations, and like um, not not defensive rotations, but like substitution rotations. So like that that changes things up enough to you know mess with kind of the cohesiveness of the group. So. I would prefer it if we get everyone healthy and we get out there and play some some um, you know good basketball and and with better chemistry. But 
Uh, I'm not ready to, to panic just yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for Grimes, I agree that he's a very strong perimeter defender. I just, I tend to like him more against like those very good shooting guards, your Bradley Beals, you know, your um, Jamal Murray, even, I think he could D up pretty well, but it's just, it's more those, those quick point guards uh, that I, I haven't seen him do a great job on recently, but you know, there's, there's time to clean that up and, and you need the rotations behind you to be strong and everyone to like trust each other. One interesting note that I saw, I forget who mentioned this on Twitter, but like Obi Toppin has really not been giving this team a lot production wise, or even in terms of his role. And so if you want to stick to a nine man rotation, it, it does not seem like this Knicks team's particularly invested in Obi Toppin's future. It, would it be the worst thing to have Deuce McBride come in and just slot Josh Hart into the power forward role. He rebounds like a power forward. Um, Obi Toppin's just being used as a floor spacer anyway. Like, I, I don't know. And Josh Hart gets out in transition just as much. So I don't know what you'd be losing by slotting Josh Hart into that power forward role and Deuce McBride into that ninth man in the rotation. But again, these are just, these are just musings and, um, and kind of curiosities that I have as we close out the season. Uh, because, the defense has been a, has been a problem. Obi Toppin is is not the answer, <laughs> to, is not the solution to that problem. But you know we'll, we'll see as a, as the as end of the season shakes out. But I think Kenny, you mentioned that you want to get back to the good vibes, and I think that you know Julius Randle in particular has had a spotlight on him because he's been contributing to some of these negative vibes. He's had I think technicals in each of his last three games. Um, in particular, he had. Uh, kind of a little a blow up on a ref, and Emmanuel quickly was trying to break it up. Um, was this at the end of the third quarter of this Magic game, uh, or was it? Was it was either the third quarter or halftime. I think it was going into halftime, actually. Yeah. Um, and you know, Randall kind of barked at quickly too, and people took issue with that. And I know you have some strong feelings about the kind of the overall reaction to Julius Randall's behavior. So I'll let you cook here. Yeah, and I think. No one, I've seen a few people who share my opinion on Twitter, but I don't think anyone is as strongly opinion as me in terms of, I don't care at all. Like, I understand why people want him to like get less technicals and things like that. He He's, I'm looking it up right now. He's tied for seventh with about six other people in terms of technical fouls this year behind, you know, Dylan Brooks, Trey Young, Draymond Green, Luka Doncic. Uh, Anthony Edwards and Jordan Poole. So like people get technicals and like he, he gets more than the average person, but like at the same time we have seen, you know, going back to Carmelo, the Knicks have had a lot of players be, because of their strength, don't get the foul calls. And I understand his frustration with that. So like, I understand people not wanting to get technicals, but I am not going to fault the guy for playing, you know, passionately and particularly a guy like Julius Randall, who is, like he plays angry sometimes and he's very good when he plays angry. So I'm not going to be mad about it. What I want to, what bothers me the most about the online discourse is like people, people want to treat basketball like it's real life. Like I can't go into an office building and just like yell at people. Like that's not a thing that happens. Like basketball is not real life. Like we play basketball in high school, you know, I was yelled at by a lot of people. Our middle school coach yelled at us a lot. Uh, your brother, Dave Piccolo, yelled at me a decent amount. And we're still good friends. So, like, it's not a real life, right? Like, it's 
it's a competition. And when you people compete, things get heated. People get angry. Like they yell. Julius Randle yelled at the ref. He was mad at the ref. Clearly wasn't mad at Emmanuel quickly, but everyone must have pointed the fact that he yelled at Emmanuel quickly and like got in his face a little bit. Like that happens. It's not like I very much doubt that Emmanuel quickly took that personally. So like, I'm not worried about that at all. And you can I jump in a second. I have, I have more points to make, but I'll let you yeah, jump in. Just real quick on that specific point, Julius, it was definitely not personal for Emmanuel quickly because Julius always gets upset when people try and like calm him down or break him up with the ref. Cause to Julius's point in his head, he's like, I got this. I am under control. I know what I'm doing. The, the intervention is kind of what riles him up a little bit. And, you know, Randall doesn't always tiptoe that line very well, but it is 100% not a reflection on Randall's relationship with Emmanuel quickly. We've seen that before. We saw it last year with Evan Fournier. Um, I think Randall got kind of in Fournier's face. When, Randall, when Fournier tried to break it up or hold him back, he just doesn't like that. That's not his style. Like, as your teammate, you kind of have to know your teammate's style. And, um, you know, quickly was – I don't begrudge quickly for trying because yeah. he was trying to avoid – He's trying to avoid a technical foul and he was right to be doing that. Um, but yeah, Randall's going to react that way. And that didn't bother me. What, you know, what, what does bother you is just like getting the technical fouls in close games when those extra points, those extra possessions can cost you. It can mean the difference between a win and a loss. Um, but yeah, the, the, the reaction to it, I'm, I'm more shading towards your side that people are just kind of being sensitive and maybe don't understand the competitive nature of it. Yeah. And I, I, that, that's the, that's the part that I completely agree with, or I understand at least that like, I understand that people don't want them to get technicals because it could cost you a point, whatever. Like I get that point. I don't particularly like people being like, Oh, he yelled at quickly. Like this is he's terrible talking. for team chemistry. Like it's, he, he's a terrible teammate, all of that. Like I said, like I have been yelled at on the basketball court. I have yelled at people it didn't affect any of my personal life. It didn't affect anything outside of like that moment. And like, this is very common in the NBA. And the point that I, I tried to make a point on Twitter, people still didn't like it, but like a lot of people have done this before. Like Michael Jordan was ridiculously aggressive with his teammates. I think like, if you watch the, if you watch um, last dance, like they talked about, I think maybe it was Scott Burrell, another Yukon guy who like, he just went at mercilessly. Kevin Garnett, made Glenn Big Baby Davis cry during a game. Like, Jimmy Butler tried to fight Eric Spolstra during a game. Like, yeah. all of this happens. And, like, like people look at those three guys and, like, Kevin Garnett, Jimmy Butler, Michael Jordan, like, they're just great competitors. Ultimate winners. Ultimate winners, great competitors. They want to win, all of that. So, like, and then Julius Randle gets upset because, and like we said, he has reason to be upset because he is a big, strong guy. And because of that, he doesn't get as many calls. And the NBA made that clear earlier this year on that um, R.J. Barrett tried when R.J. Barrett tried to dunk and didn't get the call. They said it didn't affect his, you know, speed, cadence, whatever it was. And that's because he's a big, strong guy. And so basically we're saying if you're big and strong and so like contact doesn't affect you as much, they're not going to call it. And so I understand the frustration and I think he's right to be frustrated with that. Yeah. And, and I think I think that the one pushback that you'd get there. um, is that like if you look at MJ, Kevin Garnett, Jimmy Butler, like those guys, 
do what they need to do to win basketball games. And and Julius Randle has done more than his share of that this season. Julius Randle has been a huge reason for this team's success. But it is fair to critique him in recent games, whether it's been his effort or if it's a lack of, of just concentration or attention to detail on the defensive end in particular. He's He's been a, a large reason for that too, for the struggles on the defensive end. And, you know, not matching up in transition, turning the ball over and getting frustrated. And, you know, it's fair to to criticize poor play in addition to this, some of this attitude stuff, right? Because if if he were playing really well, no one would care if we're having these blobs. We're like two games removed from him scoring 57 points. So, like, I get it. He, He hasn't, you know, I understand the defensive questions, but, like, he has played every game this season. He has given it his all. He is an all NBA player this season. He just scored 57 points. So like if he is passionate and that is what is getting him there, like I'm not going to fault him for that. I have two more points or yeah, two more points on this. And then I swear I'll, I'll let you live your life. Another thing that I mentioned to, to you um, separately is that like, you can't, what I, I don't understand the inconsistency in Nick's Twitter and like people will see that happen and they'll be upset about it. And then they'll see Luka Doncic like being like throwing a hissy fit. He's being like acting dejected by what's going on in, in, you know, uh, Dallas. And they said like, he lost his smile. It's a weird thing going on. And so people are seeing this and being like, Oh, like we should get that guy. You can't yell at Julius Randall for being overly passionate and then try to go get a, like want the Knicks to go get a guy who's like, like acting sad. Like I would rather, I would much rather be him being, have Julius Randle being overly passionate than not passionate at all. And that's kind of what's going on in Dallas. And and people want that final point. The Knicks again, um, you know, I I think, I think we both uh, read um, blood in the garden, which was uh, Herring's book, Chris Herring's book, uh, maybe a year ago. And like people read that it was on Obama's list of like best books for the year. And you go back and read that book and it, and like people look on that time fondly and like nostalgically, that entire book was about all of those guys on that team being psychos. And like you read a passage about, you know, Anthony Mason and uh, Xavier McDaniel first day of practice for Pat Riley, get into a fist fight. And like people look back and then they're like, that is awesome. Those guys are so passionate. Like they want to win. Like they want to win everything, even if it's a rebounding drill. Like we love that. And then like the disconnect between loving that and not liking Julius Randle being overly passionate and like yelling and things like that. It makes no sense to me. Like that is that is New York, like grit, toughness, like playing with that ferocity. That is New York. And I just it it boggles my mind that Knicks fans are upset about it. I think that there's a little bit of scar tissue from previous years with Randall. Um, You know, last year was a real struggle. The thumbs down, that whole thing. People are quick to abandon ship with him They're They've kind of been hurt before. And they're like, I there's, there's a little bit of a lack of trust with the fan base that I think he should have probably answered a lot of those questions this season with the year that he's had. The fact that he, you know, the fact that he hasn't missed a game is, wildly impressive i don't know if it's like good for him you know could he have benefited at times of taking a night off 
Probably like could his defensive effort, could he have sustained a higher level of that? If he'd taken a night or two off throughout the season, that's, that's probably true. But this mindset of just being an iron man of going out, giving it your all every night, playing every night, just being there showing up every night. I mean, that says a lot about him and his character. I'm, I'm impressed by him. I'm over last year. Personally, I'm, I'm not still holding any grudges. I know some fans are slow to do it though, are slow to, to forgive. And uh, look, this year has been so much better than we expected. So much more fun, so much more pleasant. And just cause we're in a little bit of a slide, a little bit of a skid, like I, I'm, it's not going to change my perspective on how this year has gone so far. I'm just, I'm, eager for the team to turn it around. I think that they will. I think there are going to be opportunities to do that in the upcoming games, but um, you know, you, you lose some of these games to a Timberwolves team without Carl Anthony towns, without Anthony Edwards, you lose to this magic team. And you're just like, it, it's frustrating. Those are frustrating losses, but those losses do happen during the course of an 82 game season. So we got to keep that in mind too. Um, no, Kenny, I think you made really good points though on, on Randall and, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I don't think twice about the, the interaction with quickly or any of that. Like, I just want to, I just want to see him, you know, out there having fun again. Right. Like that was when he, he, he does play well, angry a lot, but we also saw a lot of smiles from him uh, when things were going well. So I think um, a good uh, balance, nice it, healthy balance there is going to be good to see. And he himself has talked about how important it is for him to get his mentals right. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident that he's going to get back there and that he'll be able to do it. But Kenny, I think we can move on to kind of where the Knicks are in the big picture of the Eastern Conference landscape here. Uh, they currently sit fifth in the conference. Um, they are 42 and 33, and that puts them a game and a half ahead of the six-seeded Nets and two full games ahead of the Miami Heat at the seventh seed. Um, so in general, Kenny, like, are, are you more team, like avoid the play-in at any cost, or do you think that like the Knicks need that fifth seed and need to make some noise in the playoffs? I, so kind of what you were saying before in terms of this being this season being so much more enjoyable and everything like that, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think Everyone on the podcast picked them to be worse than they currently are. Uh, I think, you know, everyone in the world picked them to be worse than they currently are. So, like, in my mind, this se- season is already a success. I would like them to make noise in the playoffs, but if they don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, this season's a failure because this team that we expected to barely make the playoffs ended up losing as a fifth or sixth seed to a higher seed in the playoffs. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I would love them to make some noise and to, to, you know, make the second round, win a few games, like get, get crazy with it. But I already think that this season's success. And the best thing about it to me is that this roster is like pretty much set for next season. Like we're, there's not going to be a lot of turnover or anything like that. They have the ability to potentially, you know, make some additions uh, if they, they want to make trades, but they have like a core set of people to build for the future. So like, this is just the beginning. And I think that's what gives me hope. Whereas in prior seasons, it was like, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be on the team in three years. Like right now we have a solid foundation to build something up in the future. So like, I, you know, would like them, I would prefer that they 
you know, make the playoffs, avoid the play in play in game. And then, you know, I would like to watch a playoff series. And that is my goal. Yeah. And Kenny, you, you said that this, that this season's already a success. And I think in many ways that's true. If, if the team, I mean, I hate to even bring in worst case scenarios here, but like if the team were to fall into the plan and lose in the plan, like it would the good feelings from this season remain for you? Would you, st- I mean, I guess I hear what you're saying about the future. Like the future is definitely bright, but in terms of this season alone, um, if that were to be the case, would you still hold that positivity? I think I still would uh, just because, you know, and, and I, again, everything depends on, on how everything unfolds, but um, like I mentioned, so much of the reason this team is better is because of Jalen Brunson. And right now, you know, it's pretty clear that he's not a hundred percent. So like, if it turns out that he hobbles his way through the rest of the season and he's not completely a hundred percent come playoff time. And because of that, you know, they, they lose in the playing games. I'm not going to say it's the end of the world. Cause like we said, we have Jalen Brunson. We, we know what we have now. And if he's a hundred percent, we know what we're capable of. So like, if he's not a hundred percent, like that's the way it goes sometimes. Like sometimes there's like every season teams have bad luck. There's injuries, there's things like that. So I'm not going to, because we have this, you know, base for the future. I am so much more, you know, willing to accept them not, you know, meeting their potential this season because next season we, we have more room for growth. We have a, you know, a solid foundation to be better. So like, I would say, even if that, in that worst case scenario, I would still be, you know, happy with the way that the season turned out. Well, man, that's a, that's a rosy outlook, man. We, yeah. And I, we need that out here. I, I feel like that is not, and I feel like us as a podcast are generally more kind of middle of the road than most people. I feel like uh, Knicks fans generally hit the extremes, but I, I feel like that might be, my take might be more extreme than most in terms of I feel like a lot of people would be very upset in that scenario. And like, I get it, but I, th- I just having a solid foundation for the future just means so much to me after the last, you know, 10 years of, of just not knowing what was going to happen. So we know Jalen Brunson, he sprained his right hand. Um, and that's, that's an interesting injury. Um, I, you know, you don't know like kind of when that exactly happened, but either way, he's questionable for the next game against Houston. Um, I'll be curious to see whether they continue to, to rest him or and kind of play it safe or if he's actually good to go. Like if he's good to play, we know Jalen Brunson's going to play. He'll be on the court. Um, so, Kenny, I think it's kind of prediction time. Do you think that the Knicks will be able to maintain this five spot uh, as we – round out the the regular season uh the Knicks they have a pretty forgiving schedule they have Miami and Cleveland left and the Miami game is huge Cleveland game you know had they stayed hot would have been a bigger game I think Cleveland's opened up a little bit of a lead on that four or five spot um but then they have Washington Indiana New Orleans and Indiana again and you know at the end of the season I don't know that Indiana will have much to play for um let me I don't know up the, the schedule yeah, no, but i think that's right like they're i mean they're currently 12th in the east they're four and six in their last 10 so not terrible they have lost two in a row and then the wizards are 11th but just a half a game better than the pacers and they're three and seven in their last 10 so i mean both those teams are probably trying to get closer to the bottom here um you know and i, I feel like the magic have actually played just as well if not better than those two teams 
in recent you know weeks months so you know yeah, those, those, it, are, those are exceedingly winning winnable games so yeah looking at these games and oh man like even the the wizards are three games back from the play-in so like I don't know that they're they're going to want to win games. Wizards are three games back of the play playing Pacers are three and a half. I don't know that they're trying to win games at that point. So like, I feel like those are easily winnable games. And so, you know, Houston has been the worst team in the NBA all year long. Like I, you would I hope that, yeah, you, you would hope that they, they win that game at home. Um, and so like, I don't know, like there, there are only a couple teams in this stretch that are trying to win games. And like, I would like, I feel like the Knicks can can do enough to to hang on to that five spot. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it unfolds though. I think you're right. I, I do think they'll be able to hold on. Um I, I think they're gonna turn it around here and and actually start to play better basketball and find that cohesion on defense and um just some more some more unity on that end. And I you know, Tibbs is a defensive coach and I'm I'm confident that he'll be able to to do that for this team. Um Nice man. Well, do we want to make some uh some further predictions just how the, how this week's going to go? Yeah, let's do that. Actually, I'm one one last point on that is like I'm looking at both Brooklyn and uh and uh, Miami's remaining schedules and they have, you know, they have a few more games who are in that play in range, like like healthily healthy in the the play in game, so those those teams are probably fighting for for positioning. So like both of those teams have teams we're definitely trying to win games and a lot of the Knicks games are, like I said, against teams that would be better off losing. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it unfolds. All right. Well, so for this week, we've got Rockets at Knicks on Monday. We've got that heat Knicks fourth game of the season between those two it's a big on, one. on Wednesday, March 29th. That's going to be a huge game. Um, and then Friday, March 31st, Knicks going to Cleveland. And then Sunday, 6 p.m. game, Washington visiting New York. So, I mean, that's that's four games. Um, I would think that Rockets and I mean the Wizards have given us some problems in the past. Those those stretch fives with their pick and pop threes. That's that's just like always kind of a struggle for New York with with uh, our offensive or our defensive personnel. But you know, I, I could see this being a three in one week, Kenny. Yeah, I feel like that's the strong take. Uh, Houston and Washington, you want to take care of business in both of those games. Like I said, I, I don't know that Washington will have much to play for at that point. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. We're three games in the future, but right now they're three games back back of the the playing game. Um, we really want to beat Miami. That's that's a big game. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it on the pod, but I found we found out earlier. We're not positive on this, but according to the website that I found the that second tiebreaker after after head to head, because if Miami wins that game, they'd be two and two against each other. The second tiebreaker is the winner of division would have the tiebreaker over a team that is not the winner of the division. And because Miami is in a weak division in arbitrarily defined terms, because divisions don't play each other more than other teams, uh, Miami is leading their division. So, you know, that would be a big, you know, blow to the Knicks, uh, depending on how the, the heat season wraps up. So that, that is the biggest game by far. Uh, like we said, Cleveland has opened up, you know, five game lead. So I don't, you know, there's not a lot, a great chance of catching them. Um, but, you know, if you could sneak a game from them as well, that'd be great, but you want to win 
you need to win Houston and Washington. You really need to win Miami. And then, you know, if they, they lose to Cleveland, so be it. So we'll, we'll take, we'll take a three in one week. Yeah. There could be a little bit of an emotional letdown if they pull out a nice win against Miami and then going to Cleveland. That's yeah, that could be tough. So let's, let's predict it. Let's lock it in three and one this week, turning things around. Um, Man, it's going to be, it's going to be a really exciting close to this season. And I don't think we expected it to be an exciting close to this season. So we're lucky to even have that. Um, I think, I think that's, we're good on the Knicks talk, man. You want to do America's favorite sub podcast. What else is on? What else you've been watching? Let's do it. And I don't know when we, we last talked, I think, uh, since, since that time I, I finished last of us, I don't know. Did you end up going back to that? I know you said that you had briefly checked it out, but your uh, lovely wife was not interested in some of the more graphic depictions of things going on. When the zombies started like sticking their tendril tongues down the throats of some of these folks, I think she, she kind of tapped out a little. We, we may come back to it, but we have not revisited since the last time we I, spoke. I will say that was the only time that that happened. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. I don't remember anything else. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I mentioned some, um, you know, logical concerns I had with the way that the last episode went, but like not enough to detract from my, my enjoyment of it. Uh, but you know, that, that was a good show. Highly recommend it. And kind of other than that, I've been, you know, kind of heavily revisiting a lot of old comedies, not old, but like not currently running comedies. So you know, in the TV, back, shows. TV shows. So uh, I might've mentioned it previously, but like in the background, I, I variously have, at different times have uh, the office going, uh, which I mentioned Brooklyn nine, nine going and, uh, and psych. So, you know, those are all, you know, things that I really enjoy just as like comfort shows at the end of a, and I think, I think this all started with last of us because after watching an episode of last of us, you need a, a nice comfort show to, to relax. Yes, yeah, um, comfort shows. I don't know if you saw the the creator, uh, Bill Lawrence. So he, you probably know this. He Ted Lasso. Um, he also created Shrinking, which is the new show with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford on Apple TV Plus. But we know him best as the creator of Scrubs. Scrubs. He was interviewed recently, and he said that a Scrubs movie is inevitable. Good stuff. I'm yeah. still waiting for the Community movie. Six seasons in a movie. Um, one other thing on uh, on Bill Lawrence, I think he was one of the. Um, I listened to the the Boy Meets World podcast, and I think he produced an episode or two of, of uh, or directed an episode or two of produced directed. I don't know the difference of these things. You're a you're a TV movie guy. You probably do, uh, but he was for for Boy Meets World for a few episodes, and like that was a big deal. So exciting stuff. Um, I do have one last thing that I have been watching, which is uh, the Mandalorian is back. And I have been checking that out. I, I joked with um, Greg that it was pretty much the same thing as Last of Us because it's just, you know, Pedro Pascal, 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 Pascal uh, just like carrying a kid around for, you know, however many episodes. And that was both of them, both Last of Us and, uh, and The Mandalorian. Very different ways that he does it, but, you know, basically the same thing. Just in general, carrying a child around dangerous territory. Yeah. And, and uh, that is such, you know, that's such a joke that only people who have seen both shows would understand. Because, like, it's very, very different shows. Like, The Mandalorian is like Star Wars universe of just things going off in, in space and lasers and 
laser swords and all that and then laser swords it's the complete opposite of last of us which is like uh apocalyptic future where there's like no technology at all so but it's the same premise where they're just dragging a kid across the universe or world well i'll say i did watch the first episode of just going back to the comedy point um shrinking which is bill lawrence's show on apple tv plus and i just watched the pilot but i i'll say it's one of the better pilots i've seen in a while and i i look forward to going back to it because that that show seemed like it had all the the makings of a a classic just there's the you know the bill lawrence special of the comedy mixed with the uh, emotion and it's i i would highly recommend um shrinking just based on on the one episode alone the other stuff that rose and i've been watching has been some movies actually we watched allison breeze uh rom-com on amazon prime that's called somebody i used to know and it was pretty good it was good um we we had fun with that uh, you know and then uh love allison bray community alum she's great yeah back to your community thing and then um the other movie we watched was spy with melissa mccarthy have you seen this one it sounds familiar i feel like i might have seen it but let me look up yeah it's a paul feig directed it and um He's the guy who did like Freaks and Geeks. He did um, the the all female cast of Ghostbusters. He's done a bunch of stuff, but um, Spy was good. It was actually very good. Jason Statham's in it. Jude Law is in it. Um, and then Rose Byrne plays kind of the villain. And it was, yeah, very, very good movie. It was really fun. So right. a couple, a couple I, recommendations for me. So I haven't seen that, uh, but... It looks good, and I, I appreciate the Rose Byrne and Melissa McCarthy getting together. I think that this might have been before Bridesmaids, but either way, they were both great in Bridesmaids. So Yeah, I think it was shortly after Bridesmaids. I want to say Bridesmaids was like 2013 or 14, and this was a few years after. So um, those are my recommendations. That's what else is on. Um, we've also just started watching The Mindy Project, which I think is recently on, on Netflix. Um, I hear so- great things. It's it's funnier than I expected. I didn't know what to expect just because I never watched it when it was well, airing. So well, she she's a writer on the show, and wasn't she also she was a big time writer on The Office? So I would assume yeah. that you know it would be funny because The Office I I enjoyed. It is, and it's a different style of humor, right? I mean, The Office was kind of some of that mockumentary, some of that kind of cringe, awkward comedy, and this isn't that. It's just it's it is a different style, but it's it's very funny. So. Um, those those are my recommendations this week. If you're still listening to this, thank you, first of all. Second of all, uh, make sure you're following us on our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, at Talking Nicks. We're on YouTube as well. You can watch this on YouTube. Um, we're dropping, we're going to start dropping some more breakdowns. I'm going to get more into those. Um, and yeah, make sure you follow on the podcast apps, like, subscribe, give reviews, all that stuff. We appreciate you. And let's do it again next week, Kenny. Let's let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Until then, hey, let's go Knicks. Knicks take.